Blog Talk Radio. I will break your ass in half, you little shithead. Yep. The genesis of Magilla Cuddy. are back in the saddle, so the Atomic Drop Show rides again on Blog Talk Radio. Did you miss me? Oh, how I have missed you. You can talk a little wrestling with us by calling 619-924-9761. You're going to give me what I want. I've been asking for it for years. And now, once again, here are your hosts, Justin Ty and Kyle Cruz. Paul, speak up to Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Atomic Drop Show. I'm your charming Carl and oh-so-handsome host, Justin Time. And believe it or not, currently on the line right now, don't have to wait, is my host, Kyle Cruz. Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing fine, but, you know, we didn't have to wait, or, so we didn't have to wait to, to hear me, but it was because of me that we didn't start until 10, 10 p.m. when we were supposed to start this thing at 9, then 9.30 and uh, now 10-10. So that's totally on me. I take the blame. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing pretty darn good. Justin, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. If you want, we're, we're kind of doing this a little bit backwards today, folks. Uh, my internet uh, provider is currently down. And uh, Kyle's over there, over in uh, Atomic Drop HQ2, running the show right now for me. So uh, if he scrolls all the way down to the bottom, it's called Wait Music. Is Kyle Cruz's music. Ah. ah, that's familiar. Oh, the sweet sounds of Spanish Flea. I, I, I love it. You know, it, it's almost like the Atomic Drop Show experience, at least for me, is not complete without hearing Herb Alpert's greatest hit, Spanish Flea. I'm, I'm and you know even, what? Anytime um, you can put a... Anytime you put over a herb, a herb, uh, it's a great show. It really is, you, you know, and it's every week. So I, I, I completely love it, and I could just, li- I can let this play all the way through, but it's like I say every single week because it is true. There is a ton of stuff going on in wrestling outside of wrestling. You have a ha- have a non-existent internet connection, which kind of sucks as a cord cutter. So how in the world are yeah. you getting through? Like, it feels like the Stone Ages for you, right? It, it is like the Stone Ages. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the only way for us to currently get internet service is if I go in and restart my modem every hour, hour and a half to keep the internet pumping. It's kind of like going up to the well and making sure it doesn't run out. <laughs> That yeah, is uh, currently the best way I can currently keep it going. Other than that, we're running off a whole bunch of old DVDs, like old school. Uh, so what kind of DVDs are you watching, man? I got to know this. Old bunch of Disney. <laughs> hey. Just just look at my chops until Disney Plus hits. Dude, yo, so Disney Plus. Uh, so I was telling Ms., Mrs. Cruz. That, uh, you know what, we are subscribed to all the things, and we still have cable. So we have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, uh, the the 
the network, all of it. But but when they re- release that list of everything, I think it's just like it's a must. Uh, it we is need to. A must. Yeah, we definitely need to uh, snatch up that Disney Plus. It's a must. Me and Mrs. Uh, me and Mrs. Time are going to be uh, sadly cutting out uh, Netflix for uh, the Plus. As we're calling wow. it. Wait, wait. I mean, now look, like that's a pretty big, like that's a pretty big cut, you, you know, because um, Netflix, you know, I mean, they, they still have stuff. I don't they watch do anything on Netflix. Um, the only I mean, like shows, I don't know if they do. Right now, <clears throat> the only thing we're currently watching right now over uh, Netflix is my daughter is obsessed with uh if you type in Mickey Mouse right now and you know there isn't much for Disney. Right. They currently have uh Disney's uh House of Mouse Villains, uh Disney's House of Mouse Christmas and uh two Christmas specials. And that is it. And that is all she's obsessed with are those four. Oh, I can't wait to have kids. Cannot wait. Oh, don't you worry. I cannot. Other than that, my <laughs> eldest, he's obsessed with uh, Assassin's Creed, so got that going for me. So go me. Wait, Assassin's Creed? Yeah. I, I mean, okay, it's not like it's not like your oldest is is like you know, sixteen. He's a little guy, and he's already into he, Assassin's he Creed that, like yeah. that. He is. But here's the fun part about that. Uh, he has learned so much now about the American Revolution out of uh, Assassin's Creed 3. He knows more <laughs> about it than any other six-year-old out there. I guess if there is... And he comes is... up to me and he asks, yeah, there, it's, it's a huge uh, benefit. Uh, hey, don't let them continue to spread the narrative that, that, that video games do nothing for you. Uh, apparently, you can learn. Uh, and learn quite well uh, about the Revolutionary War here in the state. So, cool beans, man. Cool beans. Look, dude, uh, we have uh, about an hour 15 left, and we have lots of stuff to get into. I, I guess I should ask, I mean, with your internet being down, like, have you watched any wrestling this past week? Uh, no. <laughs> well, no, I'll take that back. I watched a little bit of, uh, a little bit of Raw before my internet, uh, crapped the bed out at me. So I watched a little well, bit of Raw. And I have my phone, well, which I have, I'm a Hulu subscriber, so I can sit there and watch it off of my phone a little bit, too. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, of what you did see this week, what did you like? Uh, the draft sucked. Yeah, the dude, that draft was trash, man. Both days, Friday and Monday, just sucked. This is true. It, it, you pretty much knew right where everybody was going, so it just virtually made no sense. It, it, it's everything minus the wild card rule. So whatever. I mean, yeah, like it because. It it legit was two nights worth of 
of putting people where where they were before the wild card because because they did the superstar sh- shakeup win in like oh, when was it April April May something yeah. like that I think like like ninety percent of the names who were drafted went went back to their original brands um it, there there were no surprises nothing crazy it, it was just it's just trash. Just trash, man. It was straight up trash. So I know but, you uh, haven't even, seen. Oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna trail off for one moment, if I may. Please. I want to touch on Please this re- really quickly. Sure. I know time is short and time is limited, and I've t- spoke about this for the last several weeks. It's about the good old uh, GM contracts. Please let let's get an update. Uh, 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 there has to be some some kind of a cool sound effect here it just letting you know folks it's been uh pretty much a decade since i have uh since i've been on this board so uh play whatever one you want anything nope 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 nope. well well wait that horn actually might be appropriate is there a positive update uh there is a contract there is a tentative agreement. There is a tentative agreement, then that deserves one of these. All right. Beautiful. Now, so tell us about what what's happening. Uh oh. How be ever. ever. Uh the contract helps benefit all of the other General Motors plants with the exception of the components holding. Components holding meaning uh, when these plants were originally uh, like uh, Delphi, which where I was, I did not work at Delphi. I worked at General Motors. Uh, General Motors went in and bought the, out the remaining contracts. So with that said, uh, General Motors came in uh, with this new contract and said, all, all this great stuff for the rest of the plants, with the exception of the uh, component holding which are being treated like the uh, redheaded stepchild where they virtually still get nothing. They get all the benefits wow. minus the pay raises and such like that. Come Even on, man. Since day one, they've been told that they are considered general motors and they really aren't. So it went to big brother and big sister. There you go. Yes. Blew away, my friends. But uh, it, it went all the big brother and big sister, but the small plants that are still labeled with General Motors on there get dicked again. So currently right now, as of, what is it, 10.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, the, was it, 19th? 17th. It is the 17th currently. Uh, a whole bunch of uh, union reps presidents and vice presidents of all the unions are going up to Michigan right now to see if this can be uh, voted on to then be sent out to the rest of the plants for a yes or no vote. So it's Once a again, catch-22. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope that this works out for 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 all parties, for everybody, um, you know, all of all of the different sectors and every 
every person who who deserves this fair shake, I hope they get it. Um, these guys are being dicked around in all kinds of ways, and it sucks. Yeah, dicked around, it, greedy. They, nobody really cares about the components holding, and they are no. just much of General Motors. Because without them, you don't get your fuel rails, you don't get your intake manifolds, you don't get the uh, canisters for your Camaros and your Vets. They're the backbones of everything, and they do not get the equal shakeup like everyone else should. It's a huge letdown if you work in components holding, and I have to 100% agree with that. But uh, I'm, I'm holding out hope. This happened again about four years ago when I was working there, and uh, we got screwed there. And I, hopefully this time it's a little bit different. Hopefully the, the curve is with all the rest of the plants out there. They all get a signing bonus. So everybody right now is looking at that signing bonus instead of the bigger picture and instead of everybody else for solidarity. So hopefully – that greed that they see first will overcome and they will stand with solidarity for the components whole. Couldn't have said it better myself. You know what? I kind of like being on this end. I kind of like being lazy and having my own sound effects hit me. (laughs) Uh, Hey, so (laughs) look, I think I might just, just start pressing random buttons during the entire show. So, hey, hey, so so really quick, man, like I gotta ask you, yeah. uh, kind of just in-house business. How do I sound right now? You sound good. Okay, you sound awesome. All right. As do you. Like you actually sound better here than than normally. So I don't know uh, what the cause is, but you and your fancy second school. pair. Just kicking it old school. Yeah. All right. Like those, all those trips down to Pittsburgh, man. Phoning it in. Hey, hey. Well, hey. So, so speaking of phoning it in, we we actually have somebody phoning it in right now. We have somebody on the line. So we are going to get them on the air. Let's see. You remember how to right? I uh, well, it's a new set of collar. You're on the air. Uh, how we doing, boys? Hey, hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I got to do this right. There he is. Ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy Z in the house. He in the building. What's happening, man? What's good with you? How you guys doing tonight? We're doing all right. Do a little good, bit man. of role reversal tonight. Right. Yeah, well, I got to just tell you right off the bat, I didn't watch any TV this week, so... Uh, hey, me too. We're pretty good. Wait, wait, I'm the only guy... Wait, I'm the only guy on the wrestling show that actually watched wrestling this past week. Unreal. Jimmy, like, you're, you're my man, 150 grand, but come on, man. Gotta watch some wrestling, bro. At least some AEW. I, mean, I, I I mean, I saw, I saw whatever I saw on Instagram, so I got caught up from from that from that point. But I didn't, uh, and you know, I saw Bray Wyatt's house burned down, but that's pretty much about it. You know what? That's all you needed. Yeah, so, I don't really ironically, think I missed much. I don't really think I missed much. Sadly, but film me ironically on, uh, on, on this week on this week's uh, wrestling, please. I'm here. 
so 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 actually I did watch like ninety percent of Raw, but I did not see the Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse thing. So I don't even really know what happened there. So maybe you guys can 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 fill me in. What the hell? Like, like you know what? what happened there? I'm gonna let Jimmy take the reins on this one, just for him. Let him host it. Well, I mean, I kind of caught it while it was happening. Uh, you know, Rollins showed up. Um, you know, he attacked him, and he burned the joint up, and then he burned it down. I mean, that was pretty much it in a nutshell. Wait, so like he burned right. down the actual like Firefly Funhouse? Yes. So uh, what ended up happening was uh, Bray Wyatt was hosting his fun house, and then all of a sudden there was a knock at the door. And then here comes uh, Seth Rollins coming in. He comes in, he grabs a rambling rabbit, and pretty much just uh, gets the living ever loving shit out of him. While Bray is now pleading with him, saying, why are you doing this? This isn't you. This isn't truly me. And then as he does that, he starts uh, pretty much uh, beating the hell out of Bray. Happy Bray, I'll call him. And then from there, uh, he uh, turns around, and uh, all he utters was burn it down, throw some, like, gasoline up onto the walls and on the table and lit it up. And then as it's fading, you uh, see the fodder of the uh, fiend laughter in the picture uh, being flashed across the television as it's burning live. So basically what you're telling me is is that Bray Wyatt just can't have any house because no, don't insure him. Firefly I mean like every single house he's ever had it gets burned either by Seth Rollins by Randy Orton uh in any abode he has whether it's a, a fun house whether it's a random shack in the woods somebody always finds a way to burn it. And so so, so what I got yeah. out of that was that his uh he must be going through uh, State Farm for his he shed. <laughs> we all know Carol and her she shed, so why not his he shed? So I, I bet you he is very well off insured, but probably looking at a couple different uh, pro- policies. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> probably so. So so then, is this like a double turn? Is like is this a heel turn for it Seth? Like, like it. what? They they just left it as is like that. People were booing. So, so I don't know if we really got a chance to talk about it deeply. Like, where do you go with the fiend now? Um, because I mean, people love the Funhouse, and it's not like <laughs> next week he he could just pop up with a new house. So, what do you do? Just sit there and. Hopefully somewhere else in the delts of his mind, he is uh, he has something else. I mean, maybe he goes back to the shed. I don't know. I, it, it just leads to a bunch of speculation. That's all wrestling is, too. Just, mo- just is, a whole bunch uh... of speculation. That's about it, man. So, yeah, about so it. now uh, tell me more about uh, AEW this week. Uh, I saw Jericho came out in his face paint. Uh, the pain Yo. maker. Is that yeah, it? Yeah, so the pain maker, I know he he was doing this gimmick in Japan when he was facing Okada 
uh, in New Japan last year and the year before. Uh, I think it was the year before. My years are kind of screwed up. But I don't really get it. Like, I, I, okay, I, it's no big secret. Justin is no big fan of Rey Mysterio. I've never been a fan of Jericho. Um, I respect him, but I, but I think he, he's, he's overrated in every single sense of the word. So, so when he came out on AEW last night, I was like, why is he dressed up? Why is his face painted like Sting without the white paint? Like, it's just, it, it just looks silly. So um, he faced Darby Allen for the uh, for, for the AEW World Championship, and um, his his group of guys, the Inner Circle, they came down. Specifically, the former Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, came down and interfered and cost Darby Allen the the matchup. Um, and then, yeah, it's 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 just it's standard stuff. But I don't. I'm not particularly excited with Jericho on top because one, he's old and he can be entertaining, but it doesn't matter how many times he tries to reinvent himself. I just don't get the hype. And I fully accept being alone in that. Are you guys bigger fans of Jericho than I am? Justin? Well, I, I've always been a fan of Jericho. Like, and since he reinvents himself, that's what I like about him. He does, he does stuff that's pretty current, and he always gets the buzz talking around him. I feel like more so than other wrestlers out there. He's just a master of his craft. I think more so is when he uh, reinvented himself. I think the second time was uh, Save Us Y2J instead of Y2J. And then when he came back and did the whole uh, suit gimmick, that was phenomenal. I mean, every reincarnation of Jericho has been great and amazing. And I, I, I just love to see what he does next. I mean, if something doesn't resonate with me, I'll just sit there and tune it out and wait for the next one. Maybe a couple of years, but it is what it is. I will give him this much credit that <laughs> no matter what he does, he always has – he always finds a way to get over. He was over during that feud with uh, with Fandango uh, a few years ago, and if you could be over during that, then then you have to be in the goat talk. I'm not the biggest fan of him. Um, a lot of times, I tune out a lot of his stuff. I'll admit, one of the few times I was actually into Jericho was during the whole list gimmick. I love you just made the list, uh, you know, uh, him talking about people getting it like that kind of stuff. Like that was awesome. But otherwise, like even like in, in WCW, when he was doing the uh, whole, um, oh, uh, con- he did the uh, man of a thousand wrestling holds or a thousand and one. I, you know, I, so I was watching it live and I was just like, I, I, I was just bored by him. Um, now maybe it was because I was younger and I was just, just more of a pure, and I hate this term Mark, but just at the time I, I was like, I don't like, I didn't even like hate him. It was just like, I'm not entertained by him at all. Um, but Jimmy, 
you deflected on the question, but I want to hear your thoughts about Chris Jericho. No, sir, no deflection. I just gave the mic to Mr. Justin first, and I was just going to save, you know, save myself for last. I got you. Well, well, well the platform is now yours. <laughs> um, well, I will say that I'm not a fan of the face paint. Um, I, um, but I will say that two weeks ago he cut cut one hell of a promo. And that he did. Uh, that he did. I just, I personally think that as far as one of the greatest live promo cutters, like I don't, I think, I think he's in the class of his own. Uh, you know, and I mean, I'm not saying that he's the greatest, you know, one of, you know, uh, pro, I mean, he's, he's one of the greatest shoot promos. I'll tell you that, like for him to silence the crowd after we, the people and on the fly say what he said, that right there is like, I don't think there's many people that can do that. No, certainly not. You, you know, I think that now he he's he has a certain amount of leeway and gravitas with the crowd because, you know, it, if somebody knew like a – and I'm not saying – he can talk like this, but if there was somebody like like a Sami Zayn, right? Who can talk, who is a pretty good promo. If he tried to to do something like that, he would just get the what treatment. And I think Jericho has has reached a certain status just because of his longevity. Just just on that alone to where people people just pay attention to what he says. And so I don't know if that is just Jericho's talent. There is no doubt he is talented, but I think that that it's that audience gives some leeway to certain guys, and Jericho is at the top of that list. No pun intended. But I will say that promo he did cut was was among the better things you'll see in 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 uh, in today's wrestling, but it wasn't scripted. And that's the biggest knock against WWE and most wrestling nowadays. I mean, I think the scripted promos, I think, are what's the is what's worst about the WWE. Um, I think the greatest thing about the WWF and the Attitude Era was the fact that you were given key things to say. And fill it with your fill it with who you are, and that's what was missing before that happened. And when McMahon, you know, started to show off with, you know, insulting intelligence, which he's been doing that for a long time again, and passe and all that, you know, the, just the beginning of the Attitude Era. And I find that like it's just it, it it's been a lot of that for it's been a lot of Duke the Dumpster Drossy for a long time over here, okay? And, uh, and you know, but I just think that Jericho's always cut great promos. I think he's con- consistently good promos, and I have to agree with a lot of what Justin said as far as uh, reinventing himself and always staying fresh, and 
Um, you know, he's always done it. Do I think he's the greatest wrestler? No. Um, you know, but he's really, he's always been able to back himself up. And that's one thing that, uh, you know, about him that just, uh, I think gives him the attention from people and, and whatnot, you know, and, um, you know, so in my opinion, I do think that like he's definitely the the right guy. I think at the moment to be for AEW because right now he's not getting any younger. So, and I think it's a great time for everybody in the company to develop. And you know, and because you know anybody else in that company, I think can be just as beneficial to the growth of it, you know, with or without the belt on them. So I had this thought and, and, you know, like I was just going down the rosters for AEW as compared to NXT, just because they're matched up together. They're both on Wednesday nights, all this kind of stuff. And I'm looking at the roster and I see Chris Jericho I see John Moxley, to a certain extent Kenny Omega. I see uh, Pac or Pack or Neville or whatever you want to call him. Um, there's Cody. Beyond that, who do they have? Like, there are people who 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 are really good wrestlers. Like, I like the Young Bucks, and they have amazing matches. But as far as like stars. They like they don't really they don't really have them, and so I bring that up because when you have a guy who, even if I don't personally like him, if you have a guy like Chris Jericho who is so much head and shoulders above not only WWE's roster but even AEW's roster as far as their their promo ability and their charisma. I don't know if, if if Jericho is doing more of a disservice to the company than than helping just by having a star of his caliber on their show because I think he's casting he, he's casting this wide shadow over everybody else in all elite wrestling. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, like because. Yeah. You know, it's definitely going to be interesting to see where things go, you know, and, you know, because doing, like I've said, I've said this on the show before, you know, doing a pay-per-view here and there is one thing and weekly television is another thing, you know. Uh, I will say I do find that, you know, the, the whole inner circle gimmick really came about organically and um you know i think if anybody can make you know swagger look good it's definitely jericho and uh you know but it definitely will see time will definitely tell uh where things will go and uh but you know on a less brighter note like just like 
Raw. I didn't even watch SmackDown last week, but Raw's been, you know, and I didn't even really watch much of Raw, but like Raw even two weeks ago was whack, and it's just like, you know, right. what the hell's going on? They're just See, getting ready it, for Crown Jewel. Uh, yeah, Crown Jewel, uh, headlined by. Uh, what Brock Lesnar and Cain Velasquez? Like, I, I'm not a UFC guy. I mean, like, I'll watch it sometimes, but I'm not like a huge fan. And Braun Strowman versus Tyson Fury. I'm like, I'm, I'm certainly not a boxing guy either. Um, hey, didn't they also announce that that it's Seth Rollins and and uh, and Bray Wyatt there the at Fiend. Crown Jewel too? Yep. Yep. Oh, right, right, out, right. It's uh, the Fiend. They pulled him out of the uh, Hogan Slayer uh, team. Hey, did they advertise that on Raw? Oh, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I like. I fell yep. asleep halfway through too, man. I can't even lie about it. Hey, at least you're honest to the people. Hey, I try to be. <laughs> so, so then, all right, I'm gonna pose a question then, because Jimmy, you hit on a really important point. Raw hasn't been that good, right? Yet. Everybody celebrated no. no, no, right? Like everybody celebrated when the when when the news broke about Paul Heyman and and Eric Bischoff coming back to WWE, more so Paul Heyman over Eric Bischoff, who's gone again, got fired what after like a few weeks. Three um, three weeks on the job. Three weeks on the job, just just got straight fired. But Back to the Heyman point, Heyman's been the guy on Raw, and Raw hasn't significantly improved. Now, yes, everything does, at the end of the day, go back to Vince McMahon. But think of the kind of angles we've had. We've had cuckold angles. We've had cheating angles. We've had, uh, had uh, uh, you know, The Fiend attacking people and having people spitting up blood we have um, just all these kind of wacky angles. Are we like, are we blaming Vince on this or are we starting to kind of hold Paul Heyman to this, like to the fire right now too? Cause I don't know if it's all that fair to assign blame just to Vince. Cause Paul does have an influence there on, on raw recently. I don't think anybody said we're blaming Vince anyways. I just think Raw's been poor. And, uh, yeah, you, you, may, you make a very good point. And how much of this is really Heyman and how much of this is really, you know, Vince. And, you know, I think uh, Lana and Lashley in bed, I mean, I think that's Heyman, you know? <coughs> I'm not saying it's all Heyman, you know, and I'm not saying it's, it's you know, it's, all his fault, but you know, but usually when people you know say, "Oh, Raw's crap, SmackDown's crap," um, but NXT's blame great, Vince. it's always blame Vince. And the reason why NXT is good is because Vince doesn't have you know have anything to do with it. Well, you know, I refuse to believe Paul Heyman doesn't have um, he he doesn't have an influence over the show. And so there hasn't been any real improvement. So it's like, what's the, where's the blame here? Like 
who do we turn to? But I don't know, man. It, it's something to think about. Jimmy, man, I, I also got to ask you because you brought up the Attitude Era. Um, how's it feel? Even though I, I know you didn't watch it this past Wednesday. How's it feel to hear Jim Ross calling shows again? And even Tony Schiavone. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Ross sounds different right now than he did on the Attitude Era. So, like, it's just a little bit different. So, you know, Shivani sounds uh, uh, sounds more of himself than uh, Jim Ross. But even so, even uh, they just sound different, to be honest with you. And um, I don't. For whatever reason, it just, it doesn't sound like WCW to me. So that's a good thing for them. Well, I mean, it, it's still new, still feels fresh, um, you know. It, it, so it and it doesn't have that WCW stench on it. Like I, you know, for for the longest time, every time I I heard Tony Schiavone's voice or even like heard his name, all I like all I could think of was just really really bad WCW. But watching a uh, watching AEW, it's like I hear his voice and it just like it sounds familiar, but it doesn't sound like you're gonna watch two hours of really crappy Russo inspired booking. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I I totally agree with you on that one. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so hey, uh, Jimmy. We are actually going to move on to reviewing uh, In Your House 5. Now, it's a long shot, and I know you don't watch any current wrestling, but do you have any memories of the old In In Your House shows from, like, 95? Uh, Yeah, I do have somewhat memories. So what what, what is this one? Uh, Well, first, let me hit the music. Hold on a second. Eh, I gotta find yeah, it. Here we go. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing you in your house five seasonal beating. <clears throat> Coming to you live December 17, 1995, from Hershey Park Arena, where the main event is Brett the Hitman Hart will face his brother in law, the British Bulldog, for the World Wrestling Federation. Championship. Also up on the card is uh, Marty Jannetty and Razor Ramon versus the One Two Three Kid and Psycho Sid. What a random set of tag teams! Absolutely. So make sure you tune in this December, December seventeenth, nineteen ninety-five, in Hershey Park. Thanks. Thanks very much for that, Justin. Much appreciated. Oh, you're very welcome. One last thing <laughs> I want to say about, about Tony Schiavone is, is the one thing, the only one thing that he ever said that irked the fuck out of me yeah. is in our sport. That, I, that always pissed me off. Uh, what's so annoying about that? I just the way he said it, just and I don't know. It just, I don't know. It, I don't, that, like you, like everyone's got their beef with everyone. Like when he would say, uh, you know, 
in our sport or just the way he would say it and the, and the way he'd say it in the sentences irked me. I now now I do have a a similar thing for Tony Schiavone that he did. He he always said the words that time. Like whenever somebody did a move, he he'd be like like oh we caught him with the hurricane rana that time, and like he and he would say it like eight times a match and it would piss me off. So I do understand like it's the same kind kind of thing that it it probably doesn't matter to 99% of the people but but I share that same type of feeling toward Tony Schiavone. So there you go. So we're on the same page, brother. Stop making me look for it. Now I'm going to look for it, you assholes. Oh, he still does it on AEW. That's why I spend most of my time. I know, but watching I never paid it. attention to it. Hey, hey, that's why I spend most of my Wednesdays watching NXT because I take because I would take Mauro Ronaldo's pop culture references than Tony Giovanni saying that time. I nope, sorry, can't do it, can't do it. You're welcome. Oh yeah, I mean you're welcome. Uh, NXT commentary is the best in the business. Uh. Morrow's good, Nigel's good, Beth is a work in progress, um, but definitely Morrow and Nigel are are top tier, top tier for sure. Is Beth is Beth better or worse than Renee on Raw? Oh, she's Beth at least speaks. So with Renee, you only just got the occasional oh, but Beth actually, you know, strings together sentences. So, I will give her that. My man. And now right. on with the review. All right. Uh, so, uh, for everybody who is actually listening and been hearing me cough, uh, I've been dealing with some post-nasal drippage, so I apologize if I've been blowing out your eardrums or car speakers or however, however you listen to this poor podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get over something, so I do apologize. I've been trying to mute myself every time I cough, so. Yes, yes, I deserve that. You're just, you're just trying to get over in general. I'm always trying to get over. That's right. There's a laughter button on here, right? Yeah, laugh track. Oh, wait, found it. <laughs> Sorry, it's my first time on the board in uh, in in quite a while, Jimmy. So I'm a little rusty. You're doing a great job. You're doing a, you're doing a great job. Oh, yes, thank you. Yes, yes. Don't put yourself over too much. I never do all the time. Okay. So uh, first matchup on the card was Marty Jannetty and Razor Ramon versus the One Two Three Kid and Psycho Sid. It was a named match. The- yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I. It was just uh, they named him Sid and the Kid, and yeah. and I know that that Vince and Pat Patterson or whomever was was booking at the time when they decided to put those two guys together. That was the only reason why they did was that they thought the name was going to be cute, Sid and the Kid, because otherwise they have nothing in common and they didn't work. Terribly well together. <clears throat> no, it was a uh, unique perspective on those two. 
But uh, it, it was an interesting match. It's always fun to see Marty Jannetty wrestle and post uh, Shawn Michaels. What rock did they find him under? Like I like when they when the first match had had Marty Jannetty, and I'm like, what in the world? Like like why is he on my television? Uh, was he there doing the uh doing the uh, new rockers gimmick or I I forget like why why he was there at the time. He just randomly that, showed up. That's just highly random. He he just needed a payday. That's it, man. Whenever you need somebody, just call Marty Genetti. Yeah, he'll be there. Well, hopefully he'll be there. Um, if he's not, you know, but, uh, screwing his daughter. That's fine. That's it. But uh, yep. Jeanette and Ramon uh, defeated the one, two, three kid in Psycho Sid in 12 minutes and 22 seconds. <coughs> um, Not really a very memorable first match, if you ask me. I mean, no, there, there, there was really only two memorable ma- matches on the card. Uh, one was because it was really good, and the other one is just because it was kind of funny. Um, but. It, I guess for what it was, it was fine. It was probably better than average at the time because you had the, in my opinion, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, Razor Ramon. He and the one, two, three kid carried the entire match. Um, but yeah, man, it was fine. You know, just kind of, it wasn't anything special, but probably better than normal for December 95. Uh, second matchup on the card was a fresh face Ahmed Johnson defeating Buddy Lendell in 45 seconds. Uh, this is where I man. must. This is where I must admit uh, that I was a massive, massive Ahmed Johnson fan. And you really? What, no. Yeah, yeah, like I. You wonder why, right? I don't know why. I know, right? I, I would have had no no idea why I would have liked Ahmed Johnson. Like he looked completely like everybody else. It was so weird. Um, but yeah, uh so he wrestled a forty five second match because he's limited. And yet they proceeded I'm to have limited him cut. Nah. And then they proceeded to have him cut a two minute promo. On Jerry the King Lawler and Jeff Jarrett, but he's limited, and the promo sucked. Yet I was still a huge fan. I I I don't know if I'll ever be able to forgive myself because this was awful. This was terrible. Yes, I will freely ad- admit I I was I I I was a huge Ahmed Johnson fan. I look, we gotta get a, we have to get a roundtable. Uh, Justin, what was your what was your thoughts overall? Not even necessarily this night, but what was your overall thoughts on, on Ahmed Johnson? <clears throat> I was never a big Ahmed Johnson fan. I thought he was there. He had Vince's luck. Uh, obviously, trying to build up the uh, African American side of life over there for him, saying, "Hey, we're not racist." But uh, like, yeah. like you said, he was limited and. You know that horrible, horrible. He he is the equivalent of the Madden curse. The dude cannot stay healthy to save his life. No, no, he he did not stay healthy. Once again, I wonder no, why. 
Yeah, I know. But uh, it, he was there, then he'd be gone, then he'd come back, and then he'd be gone. I think the longest feud I remember him being, at least the two feuds I remember the most him being in, was with uh, him versus the nation, and then uh, him versus Goldust in that feud. And him versus Goldust, like that is the – yeah, like like that was the – that was the main one I remember him flipping out. Was it at the Rumble or it might have been at the King of the Ring when uh, when Goldust gave him the mouth to mouth and 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 he was just pissed. He was pissed. I, I remember that feud. Um, but otherwise, I I remember seeing a lot of Ahmed Johnson and I remember being a big fan, but I don't really remember like him wrestling. Uh, and these matches, like on In Your House Five, re- remind me that in the ring he was nothing special. I just remember him getting the shit beat out of him a lot. Uh, I mean, he would get beaten down uh, when he was feuding with the Nation, but below, but otherwise he was he was kept pretty strong, pretty pretty strong. Oh yeah. But mind you, Jimmy, this is you... Like when I first started watching wrestling too, so my memories of him yeah. are just him always getting his ass kicked by uh, Nerf Gun Farouk. <laughs> Sorry, by by who? Nerf Gun Farouk. By Nerf Farouk Gun Farouk. That is that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Jimmy, you uh, have any uh, thoughts or memories of? Uh, of, of the man from Pro, Pro River himself, Mr. Ahmed Johnson? The Pro River Plunge, huh? Uh, yeah, that's it. Him. Yeah, He was pretty intense. I mean, I think he was more charismatic than anything else. Um, sure. And he was definitely big and, you know, you know, curable and all that stuff, which he did a great job with all that, you know. Um, but, yeah, you know, he was, you know, he was better than Goldberg in the ring, so you got to give him that. And um, I, I know. don't know. Like that's a bold claim. I, like like was Ahmed Johnson better than Goldberg? I I don't oh, know. Maybe, well, maybe, maybe well. I don't think Ahmed Johnson gave anybody concussions. Ah, uh, I I don't know. I that's actually a good question. I like that'd be an interesting debate. Just just because like they let. Ahmed Johnson stay out there longer but you know if they would have let Goldberg stay out there longer then one would he have gotten as over and and would Goldberg have been a better worker I don't know man it's an interesting question to ask by the way I used to play the crap out of Ahmed Johnson on WWF Warzone like like I beat all the uh you know beat all the levels all the the uh just just ran the gauntlet. I was an Ahmed Johnson guy, and I played with him all the time. Pause. I totally did. That was my guy. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I was definitely a fan of his, you know, and uh, but then I wasn't really too big of a fan when they put him with um, Legion of Doom. And then they pair him up with a warrior a little bit too. With it was him, warrior, and Michaels for a little bit, right? Ooh, uh, uh, you actually might have me stumped there because I, I mean, I, I believe you. 
I just don't remember that. That that I don't had remember to be that one either. That that would yeah, have had I mean, to be was, in. I don't, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they put them in a six man. But I think there was a time where the, all three of them were in the ring at one time, uh, and whether it was one of one of them running in or however it worked, but. I think it was right around that time because War that was like Warrior like was only in the company for a short period of time then so you know it won't yeah, take, like a few it months, wouldn't yeah. take long yeah it wouldn't take long to figure that out but um but yeah I do remember that when they brought Warrior in and uh, you know when Nitro was just starting to catch some traction and you know nobody really gave a damn so there was that. Dude, Warrior himself didn't give a damn, and and he was getting paid. So yeah, like yeah. fans didn't care. I you know I, that whole period sucked in the WWF. Like like that the period well, was trash. I kind I kind of I kind of feel like we're living it right now. I as bad as it is now. Trust me, I'm watching through. You know, like just. We're 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 watching these shows. It gets bad in '95. Like it it's like it's truly terrible stuff. At least now there are good matches. Like you'll have the the occasional you know good raw match, good pay per view match. He, he, like in '95, you were lucky. It like okay, so this is the fifth in your house uh, of 1995. Yeah. I I believe season beatings. I've had or I've seen three, three, even average and above matches. Everything else, trash. <laughs> I mean, well, there it, you go. All right, so so you have a point yeah. there. But Justin, what's next, man? All right, next match up on the card is Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Versus Henry O. Godwin in an Arkansas Hogpen match with Hillbilly Jim as special guest referee. Now wait a minute, man. I gotta, I gotta, gotta rewind a little bit. That was the next match, but I forgot to mention during the opening tag match, Goldust was in. He was in the crowd. He He had yeah, almost sitting uh, ramp side. Yeah, he was sitting ramp side. And uh, and he had a little velvet rope, and and he had an usher, and Todd Pettengill had had to sit there and and let Goldust talk for what seemed like ten minutes, it cutting this promo. Like, oh my god, dude, it took forever. And so Pettengill had like he was given an envelope by Goldust. Talk for like two minutes. That was forever too. So, so yeah. right before this hog pen match, Pettengill gave gave this gave this envelope gave this letter to Razor Ramon, who was who was backstage on the WWF Superstar line, which I am, which I'm like I've always been bummed that I never got a chance to call. I I called the WCW hotline once, and my parents were pissed because it cost like sixty bucks, and and I wouldn't stop. Like I didn't hear the end of it, but uh, once Razor got the envelope, got got the letter, he just flipped out. So I'm imagining that uh, they would start to feud probably at the Royal Rumble, something like that. So Goldust, that that was one of the uh, first 
first, um, you know, really big programs he had you. once he got there. Yeah. Thank you. So this hog pin match, let's go back, talk about it. What y'all like, what y'all didn't like. Is it a classic? It's certainly one of the two most memorable matches, at least for me. Uh, didn't Hunter have like one of two hog pen matches? Was there more than one? I thought there might have been more than just one. Because I thought after the uh, the uh, curtain call, Hunter went obviously went down uh, the shitter, and uh, he just got thrown underneath the uh, the bus. And I thought he started doing those types of matches. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'm just uh, maybe I got my timeline wrong because I thought I remember seeing them do at least two of these. I remember one. Uh, I don't. I could be dead wrong. I don't. I mean, I, I think there there was only one with him. There might have been another one with like with somebody else. But I remember like lots of people getting slopped, but but that was just part of the Godwin's gimmick. I don't remember there being more right. than one more than one hog pen match. Um and really like you couldn't really do it much better. Um just because the way Hunter sold it, him slipping and sliding through the you know, through the slop, through the mud, all all that stuff, it was brilliant. And so that like that was one of Hunter's best performances. And I know it probably like kills him to hear that because he prides himself on, 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 on so much more, but just how he sold that entire thing was just incredible. Agreed completely. <clears throat> I just felt bad after seeing his uh seeing his back get broken open uh, and just Busted open on the back and then getting thrown in that uh, pit was just like, ow, that has to burn. It it did, man. I did not want to be in that position at all. Uh, so, um, big big ups, huge credit to to Hunter for that. Um, and it's just a throwback to a simpler time because now people would just crap all over this kind of match, this kind of gimmick, but. Uh, in 95, people just ate it up. And so there was kind of something charming about about transforming back into that time and 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 just having fans just eat this kind of stuff up. It was pretty cool. That it was. That it was. Uh, obviously, uh, oh, sorry there. Obviously, uh, Triple H did win and defeated Henry O. Godwin in eight minutes and 58 minutes. Eight minutes and fifty-eight minutes, huh? Yes, sir. Match kind of felt like it went on forever. <laughs> it actually did. Like the first part Eight of the match was fifty-eight seconds. Sorry. It was pretty slow, but but like the last minute was 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 the most memorable part, and that's what they wanted you to remember. So cool. What's up next? Owen Hart with Jim Cornette defeats Diesel by disqualification in four minutes and 34 seconds. 
So so this was coming off of one of your favorite matches, right? Just in the uh the Diesel versus Bret Hart match in which Bret won the title back. Uh and so Diesel was like this was Diesel at like this peak badass just not really care attitude. Um he like he was still a baby face, but but he was just he was probably more Kevin Nash here than 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 his entire WWF run. I would have to agree with that. Uh, he uh, this is Nash just being Nash, only in Diesel persona. Uh, yeah, dude just didn't care. Walked out like he didn't care. And the little bit of backstory on this match was that uh, if you remember uh, when Shawn Michaels had the incident out in Syracuse where he got uh, jumped by four or five uh, Marines. Yes. Yes, yes. And this is pretty much the retribution from that. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart uh, were in a match. uh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I watched this one. Uh, Maybe about two weeks prior or a week prior, where uh, Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart were wrestling. Uh, Owen Hart went for the Inziguri kick. And uh, knocked out, supposed quote, knocked out Shawn Michaels and uh, had Shawn Michaels uh, kind of stretchered away. So when uh, Diesel got wind of this or saw this, he decided to dedicate the match to Shawn Michaels. And the end result is a disqualification for Diesel because he just went too far on this match. Hit too many jackknife power bombs, wouldn't, wouldn't just pin the guy. And the ref was like, hey, nope, just got to stop the match. So there is a precedent that that you can have a ref stoppage. I'm not saying uh-huh. it should have been done. In, it, you know, it shouldn't have been done inside Hell in a Cell. But, uh-huh. you know, there's precedent, right? That, it, it's been done before. It's been documented proof. Uh. I know you are going by match listings, but I want to hear you talk uh, about the heel turn from Santa. The heel turn from Santa, yes. Uh, He turned on Savio Vega, um, the million-dollar man, and, uh, you know, I guess Ted DiBiase paid off Santa – and you know, Santa just just performed a heel turn. What like seven days before Christmas? You, you know, uh, Dibiase sat there and always says everybody's got a price. So apparently, even Santa Claus had a price right there. Uh, did this, did this not lead to? Uh, this could be prior. Uh, Santa Claus. This is exactly what it would lead to. So Santa Claus was uh, it ended up being Balls Mahoney from ECW yeah. fame. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, oh. Uh, what one of my favorite workers in ECW? Like, like I was a massive fan of Balls Mahoney. Love everybody loved Balls. Wait, what? <clears throat> everybody uh, loved Balls. As much as everybody uh, loved. 
I, I, man, I was going to say, like, like it's, it, it's toss-up. Like, which one do you love more? But, yes, um, so Savio Vega would feud with Santa Claus and Santa uh, – never much of personal life. Um, <laughs> yeah, so – so, so this is pretty crazy. Like, like during the the entire deal, Vince was was selling it like like it was real. Like, like this can't be the real Santa. He he never do this. And uh, so I found that to be just just hilarious because you have Vince's over the top commentary selling this heel turn, like this dastardly heel turn by Santa, all because of the Million Dollar Man. It was just fantastic. So. I just had to throw that in there. All right. Uh, like a, let's see. Uh, following match after Owen Hart, The Undertaker, who finally makes his first in-your-house debut, is in oh, a cast yeah. against That's true. King Mabel. It took the yeah, five so- pay-per-views. It took him five pay-per-views to make it, and and his first match is a casket match. And you know what? I'm not even going to lie. I actually kind of enjoyed this. It's not memorable, but but I found myself enjoying the match uh, for as long as it was on standard big guy stuff, uh, slow plotting. You you had the, the ultimate Undertaker hope spot when – you know when um uh when undertaker was was inside the casket all mabel had to do was was walk across the ring and close the lid and then taker just reached up with a single hand and he grabbed the lid and and the place just went wild and like that's another one of those moments where i just missed that kind of stuff like just being a fan like that, just like just a simple stuff like that. I like I totally miss it. I totally miss it. And miss, I you miss being a mark. I, I you know what? Maybe you being the in the business maybe being in the business has kind of jaded me a little bit. But yeah, like just that kind of stuff, it, it was just a different time. A a a different, simpler time. Um and it and it really feels like sure maybe I was a mark but just everybody was like now it just seems like everybody's just too in on it and you can't really get emotionally invested in the same way. But for what it was, man, I dug the casket match. How about you, Justin? Uh, uh, <clears throat> you know what? Uh, like you said, it wasn't a memorable one. You won't see it on any uh, Undertaker uh, DVD releases or classic Goodness, I ones. Hope not. I, I I will tell you, I had the Undertaker VHS. He buries him alive. <laughs> it's completely missing off of uh, that VHS collection. So uh, I feel bad about that. But I was happy to say I could rewatch it here and now. But uh, like Absolutely. you said, standard big man stuff. Uh that that was pretty much it. There there wasn't too much to it. Just a cookie cutter uh, casting match to uh, have the Undertaker finally make an appearance on a pay per view. 
Absolutely. And at the end of that match, you had uh, the urn, which had been turned into a gold chain. Oh, the chain. That, yes, yes. that Mabel wore. Um, the Undertaker was, was able to retrieve that chain and 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 retrieve the power of the urn. Oh, yeah. All that kind of crap. And uh, so uh, once that was like once the match finished, you had Undertaker, you know, striking his, his signature Undertaker pose. But it just seemed so funny, like just so humorous to me that that you have the, the Undertaker making this serious, dramatic pose all the while holding up a freaking run DMC style gold chain. That shit was comedy to me. You, you want him to wear it for a moment, right? Just a little bit, man. I get, cause look, like if you put the chain on him, you know, like especially he had like the mask on at the time. You know, you got the mask on, put the chain on, already got the top hat. He looked kind of fly. You feel me? I so. I got you. I I would have top dollar right there. They could have sold a couple action figures with that. They really could have. They really could have. Zack Ryder and uh, Kurt Hawkins would have been there, and they would have probably sat there and tried to give miniature those uh, dummy collectibles as they could. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. Now, with that, leads us up to our main events. Yes. Bret Hart main versus, the, versus the British Bulldog. With uh, Jim Cornette and Dana Smith. Now, mind you, throughout this whole entire match or pay-per-view, uh, Jim Cornette, I love Jim Cornette. I'm, I'm a call to Cornette member. Uh, he, he's sitting there this whole pay-per-view saying how the Bulldog's going to come in. He's going to sit there and beat the hell out of uh, Bret Hart and finally make a name for himself and be the stronger heart member of the family and all this other jazz. Uh it was just a just a really good I enjoyed this. I, anybody who could pull a match out of the Bulldog it would be Brett. Uh like you said prior, it just was a uh big guy, little guy kind of match. <coughs> Excuse me. I, well, I mean look, hey, here's the thing. I mean Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, whatever you want to call him, he wasn't a bad worker. Um he could hold his own uh, when motivated. He could hold his own. And, you know, in that era, especially they didn't really have a lot of bigger guys who could work uh, exciting matches. And Bulldog was one of those guys. Um, and when you put him against arguably the greatest technician in that era, at least on, on a, you know, just, on a national scale, like, like, like the WWF, um, they were going to have one of the best matches, uh, you'll ever see. And so this is one of my favorite matches in the, in your house era. I wouldn't rank it quite as, as, as high as Brett versus ha- Brett versus Hakushi, um, from, uh, uh, from in your house one, I think it was the first one. Yep. Um, it was the first one. Thank you. Um, but but it's right up there. Brett got color. Brett was was bleeding all over the place, and you could tell Vince was pissed on commentary. He was like, like, man, I think the ref needs to stop it. I think he needs to stop the match. 
and you know, and uh, King's just like, no, like just let the match go on and like just let them bleed and all this kind of stuff. Um, they told a really good story, and uh, the fact that they always put Diana in these situations, um, you know, to 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 either cheer on her husband or to betray her brother Brett. Uh, they they always put her in these situations, and she always does a good job, and it was no exception here. I think this was a really, really well-done match, and I enjoyed it, man. It was great. It was very well done, and I remember I was just listening to uh, Jim Ross and uh, Conrad do their podcast, and was it Jim Ross was saying that Diane was never really a big fan of getting drawn into these sorts of angles with her. I believe it. it. It just kind of took a toll on her, and she never really got paid for it either. They just kind of used her because she was just part of the family. I kind of feel bad about that because she didn't get a payout. <laughs> <laughs> How did she not get paid? That's ridiculous. Vince it, was really it, cheap it back was in the day, wasn't time. he? Oh yeah, that he was. But uh, with that said. Uh, Bret Hart defeats the British Bulldog in 21 minutes and 9 seconds. 21 minutes and 9 seconds of pure 1995 WWF athletic bliss. It was fantastic. Now, Justin, I texted you this earlier. I don't know how people could do what Bret did um, because it seemed like every match, at least every pay-per-view match, Bret Hart just ran ran chest first into the turnbuckle. And to me, like I like I, look, I'm no wrestler, I'm no worker, I, I don't take bumps, but I would be <laughs> scared to do that. And it seemed like like he does it certainly on, on on every like in your house show. Um, and I and I remember seeing a lot of matches in which he did that. Um, but it but it's the little stuff like that 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 made me a huge fan of him when when I was a kid too. Just just. And, and now that I'm older and I have more of an, an appreciation for in-ring stuff, uh, you, you, you could really see how great Brett was. Um, and this is one of those classic Brett masterclasses. Um, and it was, it was incredible, you know, like for the time, especially too, if you transform yourself to be in that time, it's one of the best it's one of the best matches you will see all year, Re- really in 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 either company. I I have to agree. Uh, well, when when I spoke to you, uh, like every match, Bret Hart almost has been in. He just takes that uh, front turnbuckle bump, and it just has to hurt. I don't know how you could properly brace the front of your body for something like that. I I, I never thought about it until you just. Uh, message me about that, and I was like, you know what? You are one hundred percent correct. It just made no logical sense, but None. you take it, you take it. It's kind of like the uh, flare top rope uh, flop. Yeah. Why would you go to the Absolutely. front? Why would you go to the top? And he'll just flop right over. Except that one time, at uh, it was Cyber Sunday. It actually worked on him when he was facing Carlito. <coughs> Oh, and I remember that. I need to watch spot. that show again. And he was so happy once he got off that. He went, oh, my God, it worked. 
the one and only time it did. Incredible. Incredible. <coughs> but after that, that leads us now on to our next In Your House, which is aptly titled In Your House 6, Rage in the Cage. Wonder what match is going to be on it. Well, I could tell you the uh, the main event features Brett the Hitman Hart versus Diesel in a steel cage. Well, that is a rematch in the making, Bret Hart and Diesel. Um, I don't remember this show. I don't remember watching this one as a kid, so it's going to be another treat. I've been watching the the ep, uh, the episode of Raw prior to these pay-per-views, so I hope to get a little bit of backstory uh, into what's been going on between Brett and Diesel, but it'll be a good one, man. You know, those two have pretty good chemistry as we enter 1996, a year in which a lot will change by the end of 1996. Um uh, Diesel and Razor Ramon will not be there anymore. Um, and they are like half of their main event scene. And WWF was really hurt for for a cool minute because uh, it was Sean and Brett. And that's it. Uh, that's <laughs> about it. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get around this time of the year. Oh, man, we are going to get lower and lower here in 1996. Really quick, uh, I want to go back to In Your House 5, um, and I want to see if we can do a Hall of Famer count really quick because we have just a few minutes left. Um, Razor, he's a Hall of Famer. Yep. Uh, 123Kid, he's a Hall of Famer. Yep. Million Dollar Man. Uh, yep. Uh, Sid is not. Marginetti definitely is not. Uh, Ahmed Johnson is not. Buddy Landell or Dean Douglas. Shout out to Dean Douglas, by the way. That was a terrible gimmick that they gave the franchise. That was awful. But he Agreed. tried to make it work. Um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Technically, he's All a Hall famous. of Famer, right? So that, he is. That's four. Hen- Hen- Henry O. Godwin. Nope. However, Hillbilly um, Jim is. Hillbilly Jim is. So that is five. Yes. All right. Owen Hart. Not yet. Waiting. We're waiting. We are waiting. We are waiting. Uh, Jim Cornette. He's not one yet, right? Not yet. Not yet. <coughs> uh, Diesel. That's six. Diesel is. Yep. The Undertaker is not yet. Pending. All. Paul Bearer is number seven. Yep. Brett Mabel. Oh, uh, Brett, that's eight. And the Bulldog. Is the Bulldog one? Not yet. So eight Hall of Famers officially. Uh, now, Bulldog do you want to come to Dark on the show? No? Uh, sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, Dark match was Goldust versus uh, Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. <clears throat> and uh, there was an eight-man tag with Barry Horowitz, uh, Hakushi, the Smoking Guns, it w- defeated uh, was it the Body Donna, Skip and Zip with Sonny, Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS, and Yokozuna. 
So out of those matches, Billy's a Hall of Famer, so that's nine. And Sonny, I don't know if Yoko is. Sonny is, so that's ten. Sonny is, yep. Uh, yep, Yoko is. He is. Uh, he is. 20, uh, 2012. Yep, 2012. All right. Well, so we have 11 Hall of Famers on In Your House number five, and we are just under 90 seconds here of live showtime here. Jimmy, are you still there? Music, buddy. I will hit the uh, outro music if, if if I could find it. It should be labeled uh, outro. Hey, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Oh, there it is. All right, Ford, Kyle Cruz, I am just in time. We will see you again next week, hopefully with better internet connection running through everybody's house. But until then, I am just in time, and I'll see you next week. See you.